<laughs> Good evening, Professor. How are we? Hey, boss lady. What color hat you got on tonight? I got like an army green. It's kind of fall since it's fall colors. Oh, my goodness. Maybe if I pull a little closer, this thing yeah. will do a little bit better here. Yeah. All right. Excuse me. Mm. Well, what do you want to talk about tonight? Anything come to mind that you'd like to? Well, uh, how about I overheard my coworkers saying that they cheated on their taxes. What should I do? Hmm. I'd report them. About cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just get to it. Let's just say we report them, call the IRS. We got them nailed. Time, date, then it's over with. How about that? You like that? Okay. That's an easy story. <laughs> hmm. How many of us have cheated on our taxes? Now, that's a thought right there. And I just disappeared. Since I said that, <laughs> <laughs> cheating on taxes is something that most of us don't want to do. Um, one of the reasons is we think about Al Capone as an example. Uh, Brother Al, that's what eventually got him into the brig. If we read the past literature on him and what actually happened, that's the only thing they could get him for, even though he was a notorious gangster. <clears throat> Another thing about when we talk about cheating on our taxes is that. We have to consider it in the light of what. Um, so I'm going to make the scenario when we talk tonight with the master, whoever's presenting, um, that we've got a person that we overheard telling someone that they cheated on their taxes and they got some money back. Now, the only way I can figure that they may have cheated on their taxes somewhat innocently is how much they took in deductions. Um, clothing or whatever deductions throughout the year. And in doing so, that may have uh, caused them to think that they took a little bit more than they actually did. So that left to the cheating aspect. Forgive me a minute. Yeah, well, we, we had to stand, really... but maybe we needed to stand. Yeah, this is, all right, we'll keep going here. Maybe without me. Oh, we're going to change it real quick. That's where it should be. Okay. So uh, concerning the tax situation, and the individual has expressed this to you that they heard someone else uh, talking about them cheating on their taxes. The question is, how do you respond to that? Uh, do you turn around and tell them to call the IRS? Do you call the IRS yourself? Uh, do you ignore? Uh, do you tell your manager or uh, other people around uh, that are colleagues so that they'll all be aware of this person, uh, a type of punishment as we've talked about previously? Or do you think about it a little bit uh, as you're talking to that individual and trying to point out to them that there may be some things uh, that they've done in their lives that might fall into that capacity somewhat? Mm -hmm. So as I present my story tonight, it's going to be you're looking at the person and you're saying, wow, uh, I'm right. You had an interview earlier today with management. Oh, yes, I did. Well, how'd that interview go? Oh, it was fantastic. I, I think I may have the job, but I know I'm within the top two is what they told me. Oh, and you look at him and you say, well, that, that's a nice suit that you have on there. Wow, where, where'd you get that one from? And we'll just presume it's a young lady. And she says, well, I got it from Nordstrom. Well, that was very expensive then. Well, yeah, but I kept the tag on it. And I'm going to go ahead and return it tomorrow because this is just too expensive for me to keep. But you wore it. Yeah, I did. But you can return it. And so you think to yourself, hmm, that's interesting. You used it for a purpose. 
Now it's going to go back. It's going to be considered second-handed. So you probably think to yourself, well, I guess I'll go down to Nordstrom to that uh, downstairs uh, half rack or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, get the rack mm. like and purchase it at a cheaper price since I know who actually wore it. Well, that's one way to look at life, I guess. <laughs> and then you ask the same colleague, you say, hey, you've been on a dating site. Uh, I think you were telling me about that a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Did you find it? Oh, man, I, I found a nice young man. He is awesome. Wow. Uh, so that more expensive dating site paid off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're going to stay on it? Or no, I'm getting off of it now. Well, well, I guess that makes sense. You found the person that you want. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to turn around and ask them to refund me because it's, you know, you have 30 days and if you're not satisfied, you can be refunded. But you found the person that you want. So you are satisfied. Yeah, but it's OK. You know, that's what they had it there. You know, if you're not completely satisfied in 30 and the answer is I can't afford them. So I'm going to get my money back. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So the first thing with the Nordstrom's, they call that wardrobing. Uh, apparently is what the literature says. But the other part of it is, if you think about it, it's an aspect of cheating. It costs companies a lot of money, Nordstrom's in this case, or whoever you're doing it with, uh, when you buy things or purchase them just for a particular outing or entertainment or whatever, and then return them, whether it be a product, in this case, it happened to be an outfit. And then what about the dating site? They really gave you what you wanted. And you found the person very quickly, but now they're being penalized because they have a return policy. It says, you know, if you're not satisfied, I think if you found, you know, the young lady you wanted or the gentleman that that should be satisfaction. Mm -hmm. But society has gotten to the point that that's just a price of doing business. It's OK. So if the young lady in this case, it could be a young man that presented all this to you. But the young lady in this case, if she or he has this type of demeanor, how do you really answer that person? Do you get into an argument and you're not no better than them or whatever? I don't know. But I do know this. And my suggestion is going to be that I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but if you remember some words of Jesus as time went by and thinking about a young lady that they were about to stone to death, you can go read in the scripture what he actually told those individuals when they were taking those stones in their hands you're ready to pitch him. He had some very fine words from them. By the way, they all went away and they didn't stone him. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we're talking about cheaters. And I'm going to have to run to the scriptures and we're going to talk about some more cheaters. And I consider kind of cheating and lying in this aspect to be a little bit together. Now, you could say, well, if you're from that perspective, where are you getting it from? And, you know, it's, it's the seven deadly sins, if you want to call it. Uh, six that the Lord hates, but seven just despises. And, you know, liars are a part of that, needless to say. The detestable are another. Uh, those that think, you know, they look down their nose at people. You know, there, there's several in there that are mentioned, pride, etc. But liars, ooh, even those bearing false witness, that's another one. That's kind of lying. We're going to stick with the liars and the cheaters. They're a little bit more fun tonight because we're dealing with this. So first thing I'm going to start off and say, folks, if you haven't read about this in a while, it may be somewhat like a little bit of shock because it's been some years since I've been over this and really dug into it deeper. But on the other hand, we should walk away from this knowing that none of us are perfect mm -hmm. and that we all sin. And even the folks, our heroes and characters in the Bible, uh, they sinned, and God knew that. God is very forgiving. 
And so I just want to start off by saying, have faith in God, have obedience, do the best that you can, ask for forgiveness, because remember the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, which is a part of the first two, try to live a godly life. Do the best that you can. And when you realize you have sinned, ask God for forgiveness. So let's start off with the liar cheater. Person's name we're going to start with is Abraham, the father of all. He's the one that God promised that he would have a son. And that son would produce for him as his lineage continued more than all the stars that Abraham could see in the skies. Hmm. God chose him because, according to the literature, he was a man of faith. He was looking for God, and he was obedient to God. Same things we were talking about earlier, just a few seconds ago. But Abraham had some flaws of his own. And it's something that we need to be aware of, because, again, it shows God's forgiveness. So we start off with Abram before God actually spoke to him and told him that he would be the father of nations. And We see that Abram, at that time, that was his name before he became Abraham. Abram goes into, it's just a little bit more, I'll see if that helps. There we go. Abram moved into the land of Egypt with his family because they were having a famine. And when he was going into Egypt, he looks over at his wife, Sarah, uh, and he tells her, wife, when we go in this land, I don't want to die. And you're very beautiful. And she was probably somewhere, I'm guessing, of a younger age. Uh, Definitely not as old as she was when she gave birth to Isaac. Some think maybe 60 to 70, possibly. But irrespective, she was a very pretty lady for her age. And he said, when we go in there, tell them that you're my sister. Don't tell them that we're married, because I am afraid they will kill me, and they will take you from me. So she agreed, and she was his half-sister, half. I'm going to say this again, because I'm going to come back to a half-lie later. But a half-sister, uh, and as we are told later, he tells an individual that, you know, let's see, she was born from his father, but they did not have the same mother. So half-sister. So she did as he asked. But when they got there, needless to say, Pharaoh, who was the king, favored her because she was so beautiful. People told him how beautiful she was. He wanted to make her his wife. All right. Abram apparently didn't do anything. You know, it's like, hmm. God intervened though. And God pretty much told Pharaoh, well, according to the scripture, you can read it. You know, you better not touch that woman. Don't bring her in. You know, don't sleep with her. Don't make her your wife because I am the God that this is going to be many nations come from this one. So needless to say, Pharaoh, like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? Brings in Abram, and he tells Abram, get out of here. But he gives him sheep, cattle, all all this other stuff. So cheaters do prosper in this life. So that's number one. And you'd think, you would think that, well, subsequently, Abram, meets God, or God meets him in the sense that God comes to him, so they have their meeting. So God tells him, you know, you're going to be the father of many nations, and again, he kind of giggles according to, he laughs at God, and of course, the literature suggests the name of the child that was first born was Isaac, standing for he laughs. Uh, So that's another story down the road. But 
Abraham then knew that he, according to God, and he had faith that following that incident, that he would be the father of a really large nation. But then we move forward and we see that in the literature, getting later in Genesis, he now goes to another land called Gerar, G-E-A-G-R-A-R. And he's going to pull the second stone. Same thing again. He goes in there and he tells his wife on the way in, Sarah, don't tell them that you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. Now, the funny thing, if you look at the scriptures kind of closely, the first one, Pharaoh talks, or it's talks about how Pharaoh thought, saw she was so beautiful. The second doesn't. And so when they go in there and the king wants her as his wife, uh, the area, the question becomes, was it because she was still beautiful or not? Well, she was probably getting close to her 90s at that point, which was getting time for when God was going to allow her to be pregnant at this point. So you never know. God's gift may have turned around and made her younger looking uh, and at that particular time. So she could have the child. We don't know. The scripture doesn't say. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it doesn't say why the king wanted her. It may be because the king wanted her because he had a new person coming to his land. He had a lot of people, a lot of cattle, sheep, and so on. And, you know, intermarrying, so to speak, would keep you, if you have children, uh, or just to, even among your clan, that'll keep you from fighting against me, that, you know, we can all be friends, as they say. Trust. How about that? Trust. Mm -hmm. Well, again, God comes to this particular king in a dream, like, oh, what are you doing? You know, this woman uh, is going to be, you know, the mother of, of nations. And, of course, this king turns around and next morning, you know, he tells the staff and he turns around and calls Abraham in. What is going on here? And Abraham tells her, well, I didn't think you knew my God and you would probably kill me, blah, blah, blah. Well, this guy did a little bit more. This king, instead of just giving him cattle, sheep and so on, he tells him, hey, go wherever you want here. You know, Pharaoh said, get out of here. This one says, pick the land that you want and it's yours. Well, did pretty good after that mm -hmm. one, too. Land and animals. Land and animals. Yeah. And God stood up for it. If it weren't yeah. for God, it wouldn't have happened. So there's a couple of way, walk away messages here that we don't understand uh, at our level. And never will. And the scripture wasn't extremely clear. Did God, you know, get on to Abraham? You shouldn't have done this. It's the half lie. But let's just talk about truth and lying for a minute and the half lie. A couple of things were happening here. <clears throat> is that we need truth in society. We need truth as Christians with each other. Because if you don't, it then requires everything that you hear, see, smell, or whatever. You got to go find out for yourself. And if you don't trust the person who's told you, how can there be any commitment whatsoever between individuals? So among Christians, how can the church really stand strong if you can't trust each other? Then we get into some of these half lies and we say that don't that doesn't hurt anybody. Well, if we think about each of these two half lives, somebody could have died. And that would have been Pharaoh. And the next one would have been the king of Gerar because God would put them to death for touching that woman because she had to be completely clean. And so their attempt, they would have died. So you have to say that there was a, some cowardice on the part of Abraham because he was afraid for himself. And so cowardice would be an individual who's trying to do things to protect themselves and it may cause harm to someone else, typically someone who may be of lesser uh, means than you. 
And in this case, you could say spiritual means these kings, they may have been great on earth, but they were spiritually less than what Abraham was in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. So be careful with your lies. Be careful with the half lives. Uh, that's not a half life. But anyway, half <laughs> lies, uh, the tainted ones, the little ones. Uh, it can cause problems. In fact, the literature suggests that telling half lies, some of the research that they've done, that's almost worse than telling the full lies because people don't know if there is trust or not trust. And that's harder. People want to know, are you trustworthy? Or are you not trustworthy? Now you're drawing kind of a middle line there so they don't know when you are telling the truth. I guess it's like the individual who said, you know, uh, the dam is going to, you know, break, dam's going to break, or, you know, there's a fox coming to eat us or blah, blah, blah. Anyway. We know those little children's stories yeah, where somebody. Cry wolf thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wolf, not a fox, excuse <laughs> me. Yep. So you get hurt that way. Yeah. So that's that's the number one I wanted to bring to your attention. And how are we looking on time? Am I doing okay? Oh, we're still okay. Good. The next one is uh, Peter. The Peter, we remember the story, and you know, we are saddened to know that Peter ashamed himself. And at the end, he wept. And that was because he denied Christ three times. Now, I'm going to tell you that Peter was either uh, a liar or he gave false testimony. But Peter wasn't a coward. And hmm, that's a different story. Well, it is anyway. When Christ was being taken after Judas had put the kiss on him and the soldiers were present, if you remember the story, Peter turned around and took out his blade, his sword, and cut the ear off of one of the servants of the high priest. And, you know, Jesus told him to put his sword back up, etc. If you think about it, he could have been taken at that point, Peter himself. But of course, Christ took care of that little issue. You can read about that. But when Christ was taken, Peter didn't go run and hide. He followed, so to speak. He went to the high priest that abode or area, however we want, because I, I would presume, and this is just me speaking, that he wanted to know what was going to happen to Jesus. If there's a possible way he could help him, get, you know, Jesus freed from this, because again, the disciples didn't understand that Jesus had to die and what that really meant. Even though we're told, again, they hadn't been through it, so they couldn't understand. So the first was one of the servants there, Turned around and said, hey, aren't you, weren't you with that man? Weren't you with all of them? Hmm, nope, not me. So you could say he bore false witness at that point. Mm -hmm. He lied. Right. Well, it happened a second time. Happened a third time. And the third time, the Bible says he was even cursing, you know, to have them to believe he wasn't a part of it. But he was always, those three times, right there in the middle where he could have been caught. He could have been put in chains for his participation, so to speak, since he was an apostle. But you can't call him a, uh, a coward by any means. He was there. Mm -hmm. hmm. So the second part of that is, is where's your heart? And Peter was trying. And he was trying to help Jesus. But on the other hand, he just couldn't go the whole way, so to speak, to say, yes, I am with him, so what? You know, what are you going to do to me? On one hand, you say that's cowardice. On the other, it's really not cowardice because he was there present. He was trying to be helpful if he could to Jesus. The third one I'll go ahead and bring up is a couple who had turned around and sowed their lands after the church was then developed. 
And those individuals were selling some property. And, excuse me, the gentleman's name was Anias, and then his wife, she also was a part of this particular deal. And what they were doing, the church had just been formed after Christ's death, and people were selling property and bringing the money over to the apostles. Well, our son Peter at this point was sitting there when the husband came in, and Peter asked him, you know, you're wonderful, you're giving your money that you have sold the property, and you're giving it to the church. Is this all the money that you had? He said, yeah, this is everything we got from the property. Well, needless to say, he was lying. He had held some back. He and his wife had already discussed it, and they had held some back. So he died immediately. His wife then comes in, and as I was saying, might go, her, his body was not even cold at that point because the young men had already dragged him out or taken him out of Peter's sight. She comes in and the same thing. She gives the money that she had. And so Peter asks her, is this the whole, whole amount of the sale? Oh, yes. Yeah. She dies. Now, the commentators say, why does this did happen that way? And the response is, as Peter made mention, that she was lying to the Holy Spirit. She was lying to God. He was lying to God, both husband and wife. The point to be made out of this one is that most likely the individuals were looking for gratification from the community, meaning they were wanting others to see them as we're really something. And it also shows that Satan was right there entering the church, if we want to call it that, trying to pull people away. But I would presume, and my belief is, which again is just for me, is they didn't have one scintilla, as they would say, one little inch in their in their minds that they were doing this because they wanted to help. It was all self-gratification, and other people would look to them and how great they were. Mm -hmm. So other people who've lied, uh, Cain killing Abel, if you think about the story there. Uh, when he's asked by God, you know, where's your brother? And he says, they're my brother's keeper. Interesting. What else do you have? Well, got another one going on, Sarah, uh, the one that bore Isaac. Uh, when she overheard that, that story that she was going to have, so to speak, that particular child at her old age, she laughed. And when she was asked by the Lord, she denied it. She said, I didn't laugh. Now, you can say, but these are little things. These are not the big things. Well, the Cain killed Abel was a pretty big thing. Uh, yes, me. Maybe the Sarah, what she did, it wasn't that much. Mm -hmm. But the walk away message to all this again, before we take it to heart and start pointing fingers at, you know, how did Peter get by with uh, his three before the cock crow? And then he turns around and judges someone else. The answer is Peter was sitting there judging them. He was the pastor that God was saying at that point in time, you know, they're going to die because of what they did, because Satan's in them. Uh, the hope is that they were forgiven in the end, uh, since they were a member of the church. But again, I can't answer that. Right. But for us, we do know that we do have forgiveness through Jesus. And that's the whole thing about this as well, as we talked a couple of weeks ago and last week. There's a covenant. God gave us a covenant. And the covenant was if we believed in him and if we believed in his son as dying for us, then we would be saved. Mm -hmm. As long as we try, we have to try to continue to keep the covenant. Right, right.
So I'm going to end where I began, and that is faith, obedience the best that we can, mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness, but have that heart for God. And we're going to be fine, folks. It's a struggle. But do try not to lie. Do, do try not to cheat. And we didn't even talk about the murderers tonight, but there were several of those, and that's another detestable part. Maybe we'll get to that in the future, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he does, he knows ahead of time what's going to happen, and, you know, he does forgive us, so we're so thankful for that. We're weak. Yeah. All that can be said. But, yeah, we just got to keep trying and put him in the center and foremost and keep going. And that's why I'm so happy that he doesn't let you know how bad that I am on these presentations, and you're still keeping me. Thank you, <laughs> Oh, you do a fine job. <laughs> well, that's my weekly update. Am I okay for this week? Yep, yep. Oh, we I'm so lucky. All right, folks. I'm Thanks not going to say go and sin no more, as wish as what Christ did tell some young lady we were talking about earlier uh, in the broadcast tonight. But do your best. Yeah. You're doing fine. And Just we'll keep leave it up. because we're not perfect either. So. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and have a great week. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye.